Hello, listeners. Welcome to Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Alastair Murden, and on this show, I explore the strange little bits of magic that infiltrate our everyday lives. I look at our beliefs, whether they be conscious or unconscious, and why we hold them. And sometimes, I delve into the ways they can wreak havoc on everything we hold dear. Today's superstition has ancient roots, but most of us can intuit it without even knowing its origins. Because when you see a shooting star blazing through the sky, something deep within you knows you're witnessing something special. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. In a moment, a star crashes through the sky and sets a pair of teens on the path to doom. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. First off, let me clarify something. A shooting star is not actually a star. It's a meteor entering Earth's atmosphere and leaving a streak of brilliant light in its wake. Sometimes we'll even see the entire night sky light up with them in what is known as a meteor shower. These are often caused by debris from a larger celestial body. But for most of us ordinary folks watching from the ground, the science is less important than our experience of the event. We're witnessing something beautiful and unique. When the very sky above us changes, it transports us to another world, a reality where anything is possible. And so we make a wish. But, as the Pussycat Dolls wisely put it, be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. Thelma was 15 and studying for her ancient Greek test. She'd never really meant to take the class, Art had conflicted with math, so the guidance counselor had suggested she try out a new language instead. But she had started to enjoy it. The shapes of the letters were intriguing. She liked tracing them out on her flashcards, with different colored pencils for the different declensions, conjugating nouns, essentially. Complicated, but symmetrical. There was an art to all of it, even if it wasn't art class. 
As Thelma started copying out another sentence, her golden doodle Penelope nudged a snout under her arm. She wanted her walk. The night walk was always Thelma's job, and it was getting late. Thelma checked her phone. Past 11. Definitely time. She could recite some declensions in her head as she walked, and then she had to get to bed. Thelma liked to trek over to the reservoir when she did the night walk. It was a good place to think. She could see the sky, away from all the tall city buildings, and the stars. Tonight, they seemed extra bright. Gabe had told her about some of the constellations on a school trip last spring. She murmured all the ancient Greek declensions of God under her breath. Teos, Teon, Teoi, Teos. Vaguely thinking that she was looking at the Big Dipper, and much more vividly remembering the feeling of Gabe's hand on the small of her back, her cheeks flushed. An instant later, Penelope shook Thelma out of the fantasy. The dog was jumping up onto the fence by the water. Thelma yelped and yanked on the leash. This wasn't like Penelope. She was a reliable dog, sweet and loyal. Unlike certain boys Thelma knew, she thought of Gabe again, how he'd flirted with her for one delicious week and then acted as if she didn't exist. She resisted the urge to cry. Penelope was still acting strange, jumping around excitedly, her snout pointed in the air. Thelma followed it, and there, high above, she saw it. A light shooting through the sky. It might be a plane or a satellite or something, but maybe it was what she wanted to think it was. A shooting star. Thelma decided to believe, and then, without thinking twice, she made her wish. She wished that Gabe would really understand how he'd made her feel and learn a lesson. The next morning, Gabe Evans woke up in his same old room in his same old bed. Looking in the bathroom mirror, he had the same old face and the same lanky teenage body. But he stared at himself longer than usual, trying to see if anything had changed because he felt different. It wasn't the looks, he decided. And what else could be wrong? He dismissed the feeling, flipped his mop of long, shiny hair, which all the girls liked so much, gave himself his signature cheeky smile. But as Gabe started brushing his teeth, he didn't think of the usual things. Breakfast, Mrs. Peter's boobs, what the boys would be up to after track practice today. Instead, he kept thinking about Thelma. Not about her boobs either, but about that field trip last spring, standing in that open field with his hand on her back and telling her about the constellations. It was half-remembered stuff from summer camp, but she ate it up. All about Ptolemy and how he tried to combine ancient ideas about gods and destiny with scientific observation. Thelma had said something about how she didn't blame Ptolemy, Stars are the perfect place to marry mysticism and science. But why was he fixating on this? That was just another day flirting with another girl. He had to get to school. When he got to homeroom that morning, Gabe tried to keep his cool. He wasn't used to needing to. 
He usually felt cool. He was the coolest guy in his grade. But all these emotions kept bubbling up out of nowhere. About Thelma, of all people. It's like every memory he had of her was suddenly precious. He wanted to hold her hand, kiss her, listen to her talk about mysticism and science and the stars. But all of that was tinged with this sadness and self-consciousness and a little bit of anger. There she was in the front of the class as always. When she turned around to survey the room behind her and her eyes landed on his face for a moment, he felt like someone was sticking a knife in his stomach. Gabe panicked. He abruptly stood up and almost ran out of the classroom, waving to the teacher as he went. Bathroom. He needed the bathroom. He stood in front of the mirror, hands on the sink, head bowed, and tried to shake whatever was happening inside him. He hated it. It made him feel sick. It wasn't him. But he looked up and stared at his reflection. Somehow, this was how he was thinking. And he was Gabe freaking Evans. When he felt this strongly about anything, he did something about it. He didn't just give in to angst. He knew he wanted Thelma. So he would go get her. By the end of the week, Thelma and Gabe were a known thing. Gabe's friends were surprised. Bethany and Tiffany were furious. Mostly, though, everyone just shrugged. Gabe was the king of Hartwell High, and if he suddenly decided he wanted to date Thelma, he would. But while everyone was speculating about Gabe's decision to go for Thelma, nobody spared a thought for Thelma's motives. Of course, she leapt at a chance to date the coolest guy at Hartwell. They were right. At first, his attention was shocking. It came out of nowhere. He told her that he'd just woken up one morning, unable to think about anything but her, which was actually a little weird. But it also felt great. Like for the first time, she was someone special. She wasn't going to turn that down. So when he asked her to be his girlfriend, she pushed aside her reservations and said yes. Unfortunately, the more time they spent together, the worse her reservations got. It turned out Gabe didn't really know much about interesting dreamy things like astrology or Greek scientists. Actually, he was pretty boring. It seemed what she'd fallen for last spring was her own fantasy of Gabe Evans, not the real guy. But that wasn't the worst part. Gabe didn't just like her. He seemed obsessed with her. He was always staring at her with this blank look in his eyes. Like right now. Thelma sat stewing on the bleachers, running through declensions and watching Gabe run. He kept stopping in the middle of the track and turning back towards her with this dumb smile on his face. A vacant smile. It was creepy. But wasn't this what she'd wanted? What did she have to complain about? Thelma waved back and tried to smile, tried to tell herself this was a good thing, the young love she'd always read about. Give it a chance. The sun started to set as she worked her way through her list of nouns. Soldier, donkey. Just don't worry about everything all the time. God. 
Teos, Teon, Teoi, Teos. Then, abruptly, the words seemed to suck Thelma into the past, like magic. Back to that moment, by the reservoir, the shooting star, the wish. Thelma felt a freezing gust of wind pummel her face out of nowhere. And then she was back on the bleachers, gasping and completely convinced. The whole thing with Gabe, it wasn't right. It wasn't normal. It was her wish upon a shooting star come true. Her boyfriend was under a magic spell. He was her boyfriend because of a magic spell, and she had to do something about it. Thelma ran home, frantic. First things first, she had to figure out what kind of magic came from shooting stars. Easier said than done, but she had a few ideas. She knew the Greeks thought there was a connection between stars and religion, like Ptolemy. Plus, she'd been practicing her Greek declensions just before she made her wish. She flipped to the back of her Greek textbook, the section with info on famous ancients and their accomplishments. P. Ptolemy. She scanned through the article. And just as she'd suspected, there it was, right at the bottom. A fun fact. Ptolemy is said to have believed that shooting stars fell when the gods ripped holes in the sky to peer through. So when you wished upon a shooting star, the gods were watching listening, and perhaps they grant your wish. Thelma sat back in her chair, eyes wide. She was just a regular high schooler. She wasn't religious, much less pagan. But somehow, she had made contact with a Greek god. Coming up, Thelma faces off against her godly patron, as her life spirals out of control. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa from Parcast. If you haven't had a chance to check out my series, Mythology, you don't know what you're missing. Heroes, gods, monsters, and mayhem. This podcast has it all. Every Tuesday, take a deep dive back in time, exploring the history, origins, and meaning behind the myths that have shaped the Earth. Each episode of Mythology dramatizes a story pulled from beliefs from around the world, giving insight into how our ancestors saw the universe and how those stories resonate in our lives today. Recent episodes include the epic battle between Hercules and Theseus, the grieving spirit known as La Llorona, and a treacherous journey to the land of the dead. Catch new episodes every Tuesday and binge the classics anytime. Follow Mythology free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thelma wished upon a shooting star. And thanks to a Greek god, the wish came true. Unfortunately, it wasn't working out too well. It turned out... She didn't like Gabe Evans very much, and a boyfriend under a magic spell was both creepy and wrong. Still, now that Thelma understood why everything with Gabe felt so off, she was actually relieved, because she knew exactly what she had to do to fix things. 
she had to make contact with the gods a second time and convince them to get their magic out of her life. The next few nights found Thelma on very long dog walks around the reservoir. She spent the time looking for shooting stars and wondering which Greek god was playing games with her life. Maybe Aphrodite. Love was her thing, and she'd gotten involved in some pretty nasty human drama during ancient times, like the Trojan War. Or it could be Dionysus. He was all about unbridled pleasure, even when that pleasure got dangerous. Regardless, though, looking for another shooting star seemed like the easiest way to make contact with the culprit, considering that was how she'd done it the first time. Unfortunately, it seemed this wasn't going to be easy. As it turned out, shooting stars don't just blaze through your corner of the sky whenever you want them to. So Thelma started looking into other ways of getting the gods' attention. The biggest one she turned up was a sacrifice. There was no way in hell she was going to kill an animal. She'd been a card-carrying member of Peter since she was 12. But maybe she could build a bonfire and burn up some bread and fruit or something. It was all food, after all, and the Greek gods weren't getting a ton of sacrifices these days. Surely they'd be happy to get something. She just needed somewhere to build the bonfire. Definitely not her family's apartment, and she'd probably get arrested if she tried it in the park. Luckily, she had a boyfriend who was desperate to hang out with her, and he lived in a townhouse with a yard. Gabe sat watching Thelma pile up sticks in the yard, fascinated. This was not the kind of thing he would normally do, but he didn't have it in him to criticize Thelma or even to question what she was doing. She was too precious. He just hoped his parents wouldn't come home in the middle of whatever was happening here. They would not be pleased to find his girlfriend setting fire to their backyard, especially so close to his mom's marigolds. Thelma finally got the fire going and then started pulling a collection of random food objects out of her backpack. A bag of whole wheat bread, some apples, a bag of sugar. Gabe asked what she planned to do with those, but Thelma just smiled at him nervously and said this would be good for both of them, if it worked. Then she tossed the bread into the fire and the apples and the whole bag of sugar. The fire sputtered under the new load, dimming, flashing green and blue, then picking back up again. Thelma looked up at the sky expectantly. She wasn't sure what she was looking for, but surely there'd be some sign if a god was listening. Maybe she should recite her declensions for God again, like she had when she saw the shooting star. She started muttering under her breath. Teos, Teon, Teoi. Teos. The rhythm of the chant and the entrancing glow of the fire made her feel a little dreamy, like she was fading away into a different world. Her vision went black. Her body felt as if it was suspended in midair, and then a strange, booming voice enveloped her. You have all the tools to fix things yourself, little girl. Think of your wish. Make the end come true, and the magic will be gone. 
Anyway, you've done the sacrifice all wrong. You have to give something of value if you want something in return. Personally, I prefer a good vintage. Laughter erupted like a whirlwind in the dark. Thelma felt as if an invisible foot was kicking her in the back and she started falling. First through an endless, timeless darkness, then towards something bright and crackling and orange. Thelma woke up in Gabe's arms. He was screaming and shaking her, a look of horror plastered on his handsome face. Lying there, disoriented and confused, she remembered why she liked him in the first place. He was so pretty, and there was something so simple and sincere and pure about his beauty. Suddenly, she felt pain wash over her body, a burning sensation, and Gabe's screams finally broke through. You fell into the fire, right into the freaking fire, Thelma. Are you okay? Thelma groaned. Gabe kept talking. I'm going to take you upstairs and put you in a cold bath. Hopefully that will help. God, what were you trying to do? Kill yourself? Thelma spent the next 30 minutes soaking. It turned out she wasn't burned too badly thanks to Gabe, who'd pulled her out of the fire immediately. As the pain subsided, she continued musing over that strange voice in her head. Think of your wish. Make the end come true and the magic will be gone. Even remembering the sound made her feel sort of woozy, like she might pass out again. But she had to concentrate, stay alert, figure out what it meant. She was sure that God had kicked her into the fire. It was probably Dionysus, since apparently he was fiending for some wine, and he was just as wild as the legend said. She needed to end this, before the burns were bad and someone got killed. So, what exactly had she wished for? That Gabe would feel what he'd made her feel, which had definitely already happened, but was there another part? She tried to put herself back by the reservoir, looking up at the sky. She remembered the feel of Penelope's leash in her hand, the night breeze on her face, the light of the star cutting across the sky. And then she remembered that rush of anger and frustration and the last part of her wish, that Gabe would learn a lesson. Thelma was standing next to the tub, wrapped in a robe, when Gabe came back upstairs. He knocked and softly asked if she was all right. She didn't answer for a long moment, staring at the water draining from the tub. So he started talking again, a little frantic now. He said he'd probably be able to get everything cleaned up before his mom got back. The soot tracked through the kitchen, the fire pit itself covered in caramelized sugar and charred chunks of toast. Then his voice changed, got more intense. Why did you do this, Thelma? I felt what it would be like to lose you when you fell into that fire, and it was almost unbearable. I need you more than I've needed anything or anyone. Thelma felt nauseous. She didn't want to do this, not at all. It would have been so much easier if the gods had just made Gabe stop liking her, 
But that wasn't going to happen, and she knew what she had to do. Thelma swung open the bathroom door and looked Gabe dead in the eyes. Thanks for helping me today. You've been really sweet, but I just don't think this is going to work out. We're not right for each other. Thelma paused, swallowing a lump forming in her throat. But she couldn't stop there. This was a lesson. She couldn't let him off easy. I just think... You're boring and full of yourself. I thought there was something more beneath the surface, like you were actually thoughtful and introspective or something. But now that I know you better, I don't think that's true. So... I'm breaking up with you. Gabe stared at Thelma, dumbfounded. But instead of that crushing sense of loss he'd felt when she tumbled into the fire, he suddenly felt light. Like himself, unburdened by all those feelings that had been weighing him down. He broke into a grin. Then, he looked Thelma up and down, shrugged, and told her that she should probably get dressed and leave. He didn't want her anyway. The next day at school, Thelma walked into homeroom to see Gabe sitting on Bethany's desk and whispering in her ear. They both looked up at her and started laughing. By lunchtime, Thelma had heard the story. Gabe was done with her. She had tried to start a fire at his house and then ran around the place in a towel in some kind of exhibitionist mania. She was way too crazy, which was kind of hot, but something was seriously wrong with that girl. Thelma spent the day with her head low, stewing. How had she somehow become the loser here? She was the one who'd wished upon a shooting star, who'd made contacts with the Greek gods, and Gabe certainly didn't seem like he'd learned any lessons. This wasn't fair. That night, she left early for her walk with Penelope. She couldn't sit still. She needed to move. She walked and walked around the reservoir until Penelope started to drag her paws. Then she sat on a park bench and stared at the sky. She was still furious. But when, far above her, a star shot out of nowhere, Thelma stifled the instinct to jump to her feet and yell out a new wish. Instead, she shook her head emphatically and muttered, I know you're watching, Dionysus. You won't get me this time. No more poisoned wishes for me. I don't need them anyway. I can get what I want all by myself. As she said it, she realized that it was true. She didn't need help from the gods because she knew what she wanted now. She wanted revenge. With that, she started marching towards Gabe's townhouse under cover of darkness. He told people she set his house on fire. Might as well make it true. Thalma stood there for a moment, watching the little bush as it slowly started smoking and then crackling with flame. She looked up at the windowsill that was starting to char above it. She breathed in the scent and coughed softly, but something about the smoke felt good in her lungs, purifying. 
Penelope, however, was less charmed by it. She nervously pulled at her leash and gave a low whine. Thelma smiled at the dog, rubbed her curls, and nodded. She was right. It was time to go. She turned on her heel, feeling peaceful and happy. But as she walked off into the night, a laughing voice seemed to echo inside of her head. <laughs> Good girl, you've learned a lesson, and I've got a real sacrifice. We both win. Superstitions about shooting stars exist across cultures and have popped up at various points in time. In Christianity, for example, they're often considered souls or angels moving between heaven and earth. But Thelma's textbook was right. The most well-known source of wishing on shooting stars is attributed to a Greek scientist, Ptolemy. Ptolemy was born around 100 CE and worked in Egypt during the era of Aristotelian natural philosophy. He and his contemporaries were interested in explaining nature with logic, practicing something that looks a lot like what we call science today. But there were some important differences. Because during Ptolemy's lifetime, nature and stars were still seen as part of a mystical, sacred world as well as a scientific one. Some of Ptolemy's work had to do with reconciling these two viewpoints, for example, a treatise on space that incorporated both astronomy and astrology. It's just the kind of text that makes room for gods to rip holes in the sky and grant humanity's wishes. But the thing about ancient Greek gods is that they're tricky. Their motives aren't necessarily good. They love to manipulate and play games with humans, and they're not always honest. That makes them some very dangerous patrons to rely on for wishes. Messing with the vindictive, dangerous Greek gods aside though, the problem of wishes gone wrong is a pretty universal fear. We see it in cautionary tales and fairy tales, like the story of King Midas, where Midas wishes that everything he touches will turn to gold and then realizes he can't eat. The fear persists in contemporary culture too, like the Eminem song, Careful What You Wish For, where he raps, So this is it. This is what I wished for. Just isn't how I envisioned it. Or even the Britney Spears song, Lucky, about a girl who has the kind of perfect life everyone wishes for, but still can't stop crying at night. Unfortunately, the fear may be so persistent because a wish doesn't need any tricky gods or magic for it to go wrong. All it requires is that we fail to think through the implications of our deepest desires. And that's a universal experience. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until next time, 
be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Michael Motion, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Superstitions was written by Nora Battelle, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden. 